Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our online service. And if you're uh, watching online, we welcome you. Those of you in attendance in an in-person way, we want to welcome you as well. So glad that you could join us today. For those of you who have traveled and you have gone beyond the borders of Canada and have gone into other regions of the world or you have gone into other cultures, there's something that has intrigued me over the years and that is so many times different cultures value different things. Physical attributes in one culture versus the physical attributes in another culture can be held differently. Physical attributes in one culture, such as people hold attraction to being very thin, can be in another culture, people are attracted to people who have a larger physique. The problem with this is, is that unfortunately, it's a very sad human fact that we don't often associate with others who perhaps are different than us. We don't regard people in the same way. Maybe even we despise people because they are not the same as we are. We despise people because they are different than we are. There's also this whole aspect of, unfortunately, where we don't connect with people of different of different cultures because they are simply different than we are. I think it is a very tragic human fallacy because we can so often learn from each other. We can learn from the differences in other people's cultures. We can learn from people who are different than we are. And so what I want to talk about today is something that I think we need to be aware of, and maybe even certainly we can even be guilty of. This genuine awareness, this engagement with people, sometimes doesn't register with us. There are people that we pass by every single day that are largely unnoticed to us. And I've often asked myself, why is this the case? Why is it that if somebody walks past me or is different than me, that I don't even notice them? And we can defend ourselves. We often defend ourselves, and it's a legitimate defense because most of us would say, we're too busy, we've got places to go to, we've got appointments to keep, I don't know this person well enough, they're just passing through my life, they're not worth our time. We, we, we have legitimate excuses. But the point is, a lot of times, the reason we do not engage with other people or other cultures or people that are different than us is because we don't feel this deep connection or this deep, intimate connection with them simply because we're not comfortable with the differences. There's an interesting phenomena that I came across. It's, it's called the black and blue dress phenomena. And it has to do with how the human brain sees color in daylight. And the photograph that you see on your screen, or if you're here on the, on the screen here in the sanctuary, the photograph that you see on the screen has created a lot of debate online. It's, it's, this, it's whether, when you look at this picture, 
whether this garment that you see here is white and gold or blue and black. And science over the last five to seven years has now documented that people see shapes and colors differently. And the dress that you see on the screen is the most dramatic example of the differences in color perception. If people assumed that this dress was lit by artificial light, they tended to think that the color of this dress was blue and black. However, if people believed that this dress was shadowed by natural light, people saw the colors of this dress as gold and white. The point being, when you translate this phenomena into our culture, As people, we need to understand this, as people, we all have different perceptions, we all have different viewpoints, we have different likes and dislikes, we have different understandings in situations, and unfortunately, the tendency among many of us in our various cultures is we bypass people because we are not interested in them because they don't belong to our specific fear. If they are different than we are, if they have different likes and dislikes than we have, we don't want to engage, we don't want to interact, and it somehow has permeated into our culture, and if they are this way because they are different, I won't interact with them. Unfortunately, unfortunately, what happens in our society, in our culture, the least fortunate in our population the most neglected, the most ostracized, are pushed even further to the fringes of our society. Now let me remind you of something. Every single person, doesn't matter how obstinate they are, or how quirky they are, or what kind of idiosyncrasies they have, no matter how much you think they are weird, or whatever issues may be debilitating their life. Listen, every single person has the fingerprint of God upon them. We need to understand this. Every single person in the world has the fingerprint of God upon their life. And every single person, no matter what people group they are from, are immensely and intensely loved by God. Somebody needs to say amen. This is a good point to say amen. But it seems to me that the ones in our society who get noticed the most, in our culture, typically the ones who get noticed the most are the ones who are the most wealthy, the most flamboyant, the most eccentric, They have elevated positions in our world, or they have a stunning appearance. They are the most popular. They are the athletic ones, the movie star types. Those are the ones in our culture who get noticed the most. And today, I want to take a look at someone in the Bible who does not fit any one of these categories that I've just mentioned. And yet they get noticed by Jesus. 
In Luke chapter 8, we have this story. In Luke chapter 8, and here's the setting of Luke chapter 8, and we find Jesus moving around Israel, and there's all kinds of miracles happening. Jesus is doing miracles. And the miracles exemplify the fact that Jesus has power. There is power in Jesus. Jesus has power over nature, over sickness, over demons, over death. And one day, Jesus is on the move, and this influential man named Jairus interrupts the entourage of people who are following Jesus. And this man, Jairus, has this fervent appeal to Jesus because he has a daughter who is 12 years old, and this daughter is dying, and he is desperate for Jesus to come to his home and bring healing to this girl. And he begs Jesus, he begs Jesus to do something. And the Bible tells us that without hesitation, Jesus makes a detour from where he was going, and he goes with this man, and the throng of people are following Jesus because they want to see a miracle. Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 41 and verse 42. This man named Jariot, a leader in the local synagogue, so he's a prominent individual, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years of age, was dying. And Jesus went with him. He was surrounded by the crowds. Verse 43 goes on to say, this woman in the crowd, a woman in the crowd. So here's a throng of people. They're following Jesus to the home of Jairus. This one woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. And coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. So we have two interruptions here. In the movement of Jesus, two immediate interruptions. The first by a very prominent person, Jairus. And the second interruption was from a woman who had a physical ailment that involved constant bleeding. And for 12 years, no doctors could alleviate the suffering that this woman was experiencing. Now, in our culture, we miss this whole point of what is transpiring here because there is something very significant that we need to understand about this scenario that is happening in the Scriptures. This condition that this woman had was extremely difficult for her, living in the Jewish culture, where in the Old Testament laws, when you read the book of Leviticus and you read about the issues of bleeding and blood in the book of Leviticus, it is, it is a dominant theme that was affecting this lady, the conditions of living with this constant bleeding. Because in the Old Testament, this physical condition of bleeding would negatively have affected her life pattern, her lifestyle. For example... If this woman was married because of this condition, the book of Leviticus told her and the laws of the Jewish culture told her that she was not allowed to touch her husband because of her condition and her husband could not touch her. Furthermore, she could not make a meal with her family. She couldn't make a meal for her family because her condition was considered unclean. 
She was not allowed to worship. She couldn't go into the worship temple to worship God because of her condition. She was virtually ostracized from any contact from people. In the Levitical culture, the Levitical law for the Jewish culture, she was completely separated, isolated from all human contact. So we have to understand this. This physical condition of this woman was so debilitating that she was considered a social outcast. Yet here's what's so fascinating. Somehow, in the midst of this constraint that was placed upon her, somehow she found the courage to be a part of a throng of people moving with Jesus to Jairus' home And in the midst of this throng, remember, she is ostracized. She had the gumption, the fortitude to be out in public because she wanted to be with Jesus. She wanted to have an encounter with Jesus. And from behind, she had in her mind, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, the fringes of the garment of Jesus, Even though I'm trying to remain obscure, if I could just touch the fringes of his garment, I will be made whole. Verse 45 and verse 46 goes on to say, and when she did this, Jesus asked the question, who touched me? And everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd, this throng of people, this massive amount of people are moving towards Jairus' home to see the miracle take place. This whole crowd has been pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me and I felt healing power go out from me. This is a very interesting scene. I don't know if, if some of you, you know, maybe you've watched and you have seen you know, movie stars walking on the red carpet, like at the Oscars or some major event where movie stars are, 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 and and people are standing alongside of this red carpeted event and movie stars, and it's like people are taking pictures, and it would be as if somebody, a movie star, would stop in the middle of the event of people taking pictures and would say, who took this picture of me? That's somewhat what Jesus is declaring here. Who touched me? In the throng of people, who touched my clothing? Verse 47. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and she fell on her knees in front of him. The whole crowd... Now notice this, now she's on public display. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched them and that she had been immediately healed. Now, so here, you've got to get this picture. You have this woman who is ceremonially unclean. She's ostracized by society. She's been marginalized in every facet of life. She's lonely. She's unnoticed. She's unwanted. And yet Jesus insists 
on identifying this obscure woman who shouldn't even have been in the crowd. This woman who interrupted the journey of Jesus, Jesus insists on identifying her publicly. Now, have you ever stopped when you read, most of you know this story, you have read this story many, many, many times. Have you ever stopped and asked the question, why would Jesus stop among the crowd on this journey and engage this woman and expose her? Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus take this lady who's been ostracized by society, who is an outcast, stop and expose her publicly? Well, let me give you three reasons why I think Jesus did this. Why Jesus identified this woman. The first reason is this. To affirm the woman's faith. To affirm the woman's faith. Let's face it. This woman had to have extreme faith. Being as isolated and ostracized by society, this woman had extreme faith. Because she was convinced, to go out in public, she was convinced that the power of healing that permeated from Jesus... Even if she could just touch the fringes of her promise, she had to have tremendous faith to engage that moment. It was an incredibly bold faith and belief that she had. Yet, it's this kind of faith that caused this sickly woman to venture out into the crowd, this bustling mass of people, get close enough somehow to Jesus, grab the hem of his garment, and yes, you might say, was she desperate? Absolutely, she was desperate. Because she had 12 years of bleeding, she was in a desperate state. But there was something else that motivated her to go out in public, and it was this, this, this faith that she had. This, this faith, even, even though she perhaps feared the spotlight, she needed to get close to Jesus, and she did not go unnoticed by Jesus. You've probably heard in the news, there's a global supply chain issue. I mean, it, the, the supply chain, the transportation of goods is an absolute turmoil, and some people are even saying, This has caused inflation, has led to higher inflation. But to offset this high demand of this supply chain issue, there's a grocery shopping app called Instacart that has started up making replacement recommendations. When you go online and you try to purchase something and shoppers can't find what they're looking for, Instacart will recommend and procure what you may be looking for. Unfortunately, for example, one person used Instacart to order strawberry shortcake ice cream from Walmart, and they received sausage, eggs, and cheese, and breakfast rolls for that order. Another person needed horseradish to make sauce for shrimp, and the product that was unavailable at Whole Foods, so Instacart substituted the product 
of horseradish with beets. And the person commented online and said, you cannot make shrimp cocktail sauce with ketchup and beets. So these delivery services are making off-the-wall substitutions that sometimes don't even make sense. But can I tell you something? Listen, God never substitutes inferior products in answer to our requests or our longings. Did you get that? That's the difference between God and Instacart. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that God always does immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. There are never any supply issues with God. Never any supply issues. And this woman, with the issue of blood, experienced confirmation of her bold faith. Because God instantaneously showed up and transformed her life instantaneously. Jesus stopped. And whatever he was going, wherever he was going, whatever he was doing, Jesus stopped and Jesus highlighted this incredible dramatic example of someone who was not going to be dissuaded, who was going to press on, who was going to press through, who was going to keep moving towards Jesus because they needed an answer. They needed a personal encounter with God. And God never substitutes his power into your life. And so whatever longings you have, whatever prayers you have, whatever desires are in your heart, I want to encourage you today not to shrink back and not to be afraid, but I want you to instill into your spirit and into your heart a motivation that says, I am going to keep pressing on and pressing through because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people may think. It doesn't matter what I am experiencing. I need an encounter with God because I need a dramatic answer from God. And so you need to press in. You need to press through. You need to keep moving forward. You don't shrink back. You have bold faith and you live in bold faith that God will not substitute his power because he will do immeasurably more than you can ever ask than you could ever imagine in your life the second reason why Jesus insisted on identifying this woman was to heal her pain to heal her pain I wonder sometimes in this throng of people that was going, that was massively surrounding Jesus, I wonder if any person in this crowd even noticed or somehow witnessed the issues that maybe this woman was dealing with. I sometimes wonder, did anyone see her prior to her healing experience? Because certainly once she was healed, once the virtues of healing went out from Jesus into this woman, certainly then everyone noticed and everyone understood. But the healing of Jesus, friends, goes, more, goes even beyond just the physical pain. Jesus also moves into the emotional realm. This woman wanted to stay anonymous. If I could just sneak up and if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll slip away in the crowd and I'll be healed. 
But there was a deeper depth where Jesus wanted to go a little bit deeper. You just can't sneak up behind and not be exposed. See, even in our society, we are so good. Even in our society, we are so good at hiding issues, putting on masks. And I, I wonder, I wonder do, people, do people really reveal what is really transpiring inside of them? Are they, can people truly be authentic in our society? Can people truly be willing to truly be honest? You know, most of you go to somebody and you say, well, how are you doing? You already know the answer. As soon as you, as soon as you ask that question, how are you doing, you know people are going to respond with the same answer every time. And you know what that answer is. I'm fine. I'm good. Everything is great. Some may even do an extra step and go, two thumbs up in my life. Now, would we be honest enough? Would be honest enough to say honestly what is transpiring with us? See, part of our society, and I think I think our governmental rules and regulations have really imposed this upon us because regulations say we listen. Even in church, I cannot mention somebody's ailment from this pulpit. And we can't even expose a public prayer request without a written, written and verbal confirmation from that person that we're going to speak their name out in public. We've, we've, we've been curtailed. We've been coached, if it were so. We've been coached into privacy. Which... And because of this, because we can't be truly honest and because we can't declare things publicly, what is really happening maybe in people's lives, it allows people to hide behind the veil of regulations. Unfortunately, it has allowed people, even people in the church, to not completely and totally be honest what is truly transpiring in their lives. And so people hide their pain. People hide their pain. But there is one whose name is Jesus who even behind the scenes knows what's going on in your life and in my life. Jesus can go behind the curtain. Jesus can go behind the closed doors. Jesus can go behind the walls that we have shut around us. Jesus can go behind, and he can behind all of our walls and all of our facades that we have put up. Jesus can still go behind there, and he can alleviate our pain. No matter what regulations have been put into place, no matter what curtains have been closed upon us, Jesus can still go behind our lives and alleviate our pain. So why would Jesus stop and engage during this interruption? After all, he was going to an influential man, a man in the synagogue. Now why would Jesus stop in this middle of this parade, going to, to this man's home, why would Jesus stop and be interrupted because there's an important lesson that Jesus wants us all to hear today. Instead of focusing on his task, Jesus 
touches upon the importance of focusing on a person. Did you get that? Instead of focusing, focusing on a task, on a goal, on a place to get to, Jesus instead focuses and wants us to understand something. What's really important in the event and in this greater sphere of events that are happening, it's more important to deal and to stop and to focus on a person. Wouldn't it be excellent in our lives if we would carry that same mantle and we would have that same position to be more focused on people rather than completing a certain project or a certain task that only benefits me? Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Martyred Christian writes these words. We must allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly, God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans, sending us people with claims and petitions. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so much more important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. The privatization of our faith that is so prevalent in de- today partly is because it requires something of me. I may need to sacrifice energy and time in order to help others. I may have to get, listen, I may have to get baptized, but when I get baptized, it means that I am committed to Jesus, and I'm not sure I'm ready that, to take that kind of step right now. People say that. And on so many fronts, church, on so many fronts, the exodus of his healing virtues from Jesus to this woman eliminates all the privacy in our Christian faith. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, the Bible says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And here's my last point. Why Jesus identified this person in the crowd. To tell the woman's story. Jesus engages so that the people can be encouraged by her story. Did you notice the words in verse 47 of Luke chapter 8? The whole crowd, listen, the whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him. The whole crowd heard that. There's an interesting phenomenon that's happening in our world today. People are interested in their genealogy. A cousin of mine, a cousin of mine has spent years researching my mother's side of the family, my mother's side of the family. And recently we received a volume going back, multiple generations. And I learned, I learned stuff about my ancestors that I never knew. And I learned stuff about my ancestors I don't want to know. See, the thing about genealogies and people seeking genealogies and where they came from, genealogies reveals the good, the bad, and the ugly of family history. And I am, and I am, and I am sure there are part of people who are watching online and some of you who are sitting here today There are parts of all of our stories that we're not proud of. There's family history in all of our lives. We wish it would never have happened. 
There are details of our lives that might be completely and totally embarrassing. And we don't want to share it. We don't want people to find out about it. We don't even want to talk about it. It's so embarrassing. But just like this woman with the issue of blood, maybe, maybe for you, there has been an ongoing issue for 12 years of some kind of addiction. Maybe in your family, there are some family dysfunctional issues. Maybe in your life, just like the woman in blood who had an issue, maybe there are some issues that you are struggling with, such as low self-esteem. Or maybe, maybe there's an issue of being a workaholic where you're just never available for your family or for your children. But listen, listen, listen. No matter what issues are attached to your family history, no matter what issues are attached to your family life or your personal life, here's what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, encountering Christ can begin a new chapter in your history if you are willing to pro go through the process and put some work into it. There is a new opportunity to rewrite your history because of what Jesus can do in your life when you encounter Jesus. See, God's power of healing and transformation is something that you can't hide. You can't keep quiet, especially if there is an incredible transformation of who you were before to who you are becoming now. You can't hide that. And if God has done a tremendous, changing, transformative work in your life, you and I have a story to tell. In fact, there is a story in every person's life, whether you're watching online today or whether you are here in the sanctuary today, you have a story to tell, a miraculous story to tell of what God has done in your life and how He has transformed your life. All of us have a story to tell. And an encounter with Jesus reveals this incredible story to the world. I don't know if you know Tony Dungy, but Tony Dungy is a TV analyst for NBC. And if you watch National Football League on Sunday nights, he's an analyst on television. And he's a respect, he was a respected coach for the Indianapolis Colts who won the Super Bowl in the year 2007. Tony Dungy is a wonderful Christian man. Several years ago, his family went through personal tragedy when their oldest son, Jamie, committed suicide. And after the, after the funeral in Florida, Tony went back to Indianapolis, back to his office, and his assistant one day came into the office and said to him, there's a gentleman on the phone, and he needs to desperately talk to you. He, is, he says it's an absolute emergency, and he wants to talk to you. 
So Tony Dungy took this call of this man, and the man said, you, you don't know me, but I heard about your son and how he committed suicide. And he says, I have a son who is the same age as your son, and three weeks ago, his fiance committed suicide, and today my son told me that he no longer wants to go on living. In fact, he wants, he wants to end his life today. And I don't have anyone to talk to, the father says. And, and, and I, heard about, I heard about your son in the funeral service on the news, and I'm calling you to help me walk through this situation in my own family. Will you help my son? Tony takes the cell number from the dad to call this young man, and he calls him, and he says, Hi, I'm Tony. Your dad talked to me today, and I hear that you're thinking about committing suicide. He says, can I tell you something? Listen, you would be making the biggest mistake in your life. My son, Tony says, my son just committed suicide, and we are absolutely devastated as a family. Tony talked to him prayed with him, ministered to this young man for a mile, and at the end of the phone call, he said, I want you to call me tonight. You have my cell number. I'm going to give you my cell number. The last thing you do before you go to sleep tonight, I want you to call me. Before you go to sleep tonight, I want you to call me. Will you promise to call me? Before you go to sleep tonight, I want you to call me on my cell number. That night, the young man called Tony Tony talked to him some more, and then he said, listen, the first thing tomorrow, when you wake up tonight, from the night, before your feet hit the floor, promise me that you will call me. Before you get out of bed, promise me that you will call me. Promise me that you will call me. In the midst of of his own personal tragedy. Tony Dungy was willing to be involved in the hope, perhaps, of bringing healing and tr to a tragedy of another family. That's what it means to lovingly interrupt your day. That's what it means. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who is merciful, the Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And just like in Tony's life, and just like this woman in Luke chapter 8, God will use your family history, the successes, the failures, and he will magnificently use whatever pain that you may have experienced in life, whatever experiences you have engaged in in life, to help with the healing and the heartache in other people's lives. 
Listen, we need to understand something in our lives. Whatever hurt you have experienced in life, God never wastes a hurt. If you've experienced some physical infirmity, maybe there's been a relational separation, a divorce, maybe there's been a financial crisis, maybe there's grief that you are dealing with, you have a story. I have a story that we can share to help other people. But in order for that to happen, you and I must be observant to those who have a need. And we must be willing to be interrupted by others in our daily experiences. We must be willing. When we encounter people, listen, listen, some of you, some of you, who are watching and some of you are hearing my voice today. Listen, some of you today, when you're hearing my voice and you're hearing this message, some of you this week will experience opportunities where you will encounter people, where you will engage people that you may have no idea who they are. But just in the moment that you are encountering those people and the moment that you are engaging in those people, you will have opportunity because of that distinct God-given moment that you will have opportunity to influence them with your story and perhaps bring healing into their life. It may be that lowly worker who gets paid minimum wages. You may encounter a person who has a checkered past and is down on their luck it may be a person, an immoral person at your workplace who needs a listening ear rather than a condemning voice. Maybe it's going to be your boss who's a very prosperous person but is lonely and has no friends. See, oftentimes as we live life and as we go through our daily routines, Oftentimes, we overlook people who have needs because we are convinced of two things. We're convinced that we're too busy and we're convinced that we're too important. And I'm so glad today that Jesus and Tony Dungy were not convinced of those two things. And my challenge as I close, my challenge to us as a church family and to us as people, myself included, Church, can we be open? Can we be open to interruptions in our life? Can we be open to detours in our life? Can we be open to look for opportunities where we can tell our stories and when we encounter the marginalized of our society that we take time to engage and to listen and not be overcome by the temptation to be so distracted and so focused to finish our to-do list that we miss out on the personal opportunity to be Jesus to people. I love the way this story ends. Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, verse 48, some incredible, powerful words. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This 
nameless woman. We don't even know her name. Ostracized by society. This woman who was pushed to the fringes and was not allowed to participate in society. Fells at the feet of Jesus. Pouring out her story when Jesus identifies her. And look how Jesus responds. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is the only time in the entire Bible where Jesus calls someone daughter. It's the only time. Jesus calls her daughter. And what Jesus is doing there is he's revealing himself who he is and he is revealing who she is. And by calling her a daughter, he is affectionately using this term, inviting her not to a religion, he is inviting her into a personal relationship with Almighty God when he calls her daughter. This woman who was an outcast, Jesus looks at her and he says, you are no outcast in the eyes of God. You are family. Yes, a woman, unclean, unknown, living in an, as an outcast in a male-dominated society. Jesus treats her with respect, with concern, with compassion, and with love. My friends, listen. Today, today Jesus looks at all of us. Today, Jesus looks at all of us in the same way. And he promises to do to us whatever he did and continues to do as he did to this woman. And he looks at us and he says, you're my daughter. You're my daughter. And he looks to the males and he says, you're my son. And we need to understand something, that when Jesus says those words, when Jesus says those words, what he is saying very distinctly is that he notices every single one of us. That's powerful for us to comprehend. We need to understand, your life is not lived in vain because God notices who you are. You may not be recognized by the elite of the world, but let me tell you this. You're recognized by God. And God has his fingerprint, his hand upon your life, and he wants to do miraculous things in your life. And he knows everything about you. He knows every, in, 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 this every in part of your life that, that is that is hurt, that every part that you're struggling with, every issue that you may be dealing with, every mistake that you made, he knows everything about you. And in spite of your past history, in spite of your genealogy that you may not be excited about or happy with, God wants you to know he loves you and invites you to come into a relationship. Daughter, son, come. 
I recognize you. And when you experience the healing that you receive when you have this relationship with Jesus, he invites you to share your story and to be interrupted, be divinely interrupted in a loving way. Share your story because that person that you're encountering has been brought into your sphere of influence by Almighty God. Because he wants to take your pains and your hurts and your story and translate it and transfer it into the life of a person that God loves just as much as he loves you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, May this simple story of this woman encourage all of us to know that you love us and that you want to you wanna create in us a compassion, a desire, a motivation perhaps to take our changed lives and whatever spheres we operate in, whatever spheres we find ourselves in, to truly be people who are interrupted by Jesus so that we can help others. May our encounter with you, Lord, may our encounter with you, may our story with you help others find healing in the name of Jesus, I pray. In your holy, powerful name, we come before you right now, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to do something as we close. We're going to sing one last song. But before we exit, if you are here today and you need healing in Jesus' life, from Jesus today, or you need, you need healing in your life, whatever the issue is, it doesn't matter. As we sing this last song, would you just slip up a hand and put your faith and your trust in the Lord? Would you just believe that God has the capacity and the ability and the power to intervene in your situation and in your life? As we sing this last song, will you do that? And, and, and maybe, listen, maybe... Some of you who are not raising your hand, you see somebody raise your hand, would you just go to them and stand behind them and place your hand on their shoulder or on their back and just begin praying for them. God wants to bring healing into some of your lives today. God wants to do something powerful in your life. He wants you to leave this sanctuary today with a story of an encounter with Almighty God. Because when you walk through the doors and you get into the community and you get into your neighborhoods, you get into the workplace tomorrow, you're going to have a story to tell of your encounter with Jesus. So if you're here today as we close and you need the healing touch of God in your life, will you just slip up a hand and allow Jesus to minister to you today? Will you do that? Let's worship together.